welcome everyone to Reclaiming Filipinx Identity Season 4, Episode 9. Today on the podcast, I had the pleasure of inviting one of my longtime high school friends from high school. I've known her since I was actually in my freshman year. And just inviting her to talk about her Filipino experience, especially since she moved uh, from Hawaii to Oregon in college, I wanted to really like understand like if she felt any culture shock about um, moving in from another state, especially. And with that further ado, I will just go straight to the podcast. And welcome to Reclaiming Filipinx Identity. Today on the podcast, I have invited a longtime high school friend. Her name is, what is your name? And can you tell us a little bit about yourself? If you have any pronouns, um, your age, and what major are you or your profession if you have graduated? Sure, Kachi. Hi, everyone. I am Rebecca. I go by she, her, and um, to answer your questions, I actually graduated this past May from the University of Portland. I studied math, theology, and economics. And since then, I've been working as a data analyst for a small healthcare information technology company. And what was your other questions? <laughs> and my other question was, if you could describe yourself in a Filipino dish, what would it be and why? Wow, that is such a hard but also a great question. Um, I'll go the easy route and just base it off what my favorite Filipino food is. Oh. And that would happen to be peanut bet. And I guess I would, <laughs> I would say that I describe myself as peanut bet because, you know, it's a, it's a bowl full of different things. That's just so delicious. And sometimes I can be bitter, like bitter melon, but everything else is just great. <laughs> That's, That's the best I got, Chachi. And are you Ilocano? Um, I, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I don't know exactly what I am, but what I remember my mom telling me is that I'm Ilocano, Fisayan, and Tagalog. Which, um, generation are you from? I know from my dad's side, I'm third generation. His parents immigrated to the island of Oahu and he and his two brothers were born there in Kalihi. And, but from my mom's side, I have no idea. My great, great, the furthest I know is that my great, great grandma lived in Kauai. Um, My family is just a lineage of people who have worked or lived during the times of the sugar plantation. So I don't know when exactly my ancestors immigrated to Hawaii. How was your upbringing like, especially being born on Oahu? My upbringing was, so I I listened to a lot of your podcasts and it sounded like a lot of other people that you've interviewed um, had like this very direct connection to the Filipino culture. But I feel like because both of my um, parents were born and raised in Hawaii and um, I will say that there was, for whatever reason, there wasn't some element of shame in being Filipino that I was... Um, raised to be more a local in Hawaii. I never really felt like I identified with the Filipino culture. All I knew was that 
the food was great. All I knew was that only my my older relatives were able to speak their native tongue. But um, yeah, growing up, it's been a challenge to be able to say that, hey, I'm Filipino and I identify with the Filipino culture. And that's actually a perfect segue to the question. Have you personally struggled with embracing your own identity, especially our own culture? Yeah, absolutely. I I didn't realize that I had this identity crisis with being a Filipino until I was I was asked this question when you sent me the document to reflect and it's because I never felt like I knew enough about what it meant to be a real Filipino. And like I mentioned already, I wasn't immersed in the culture at least not as much or in the same way as the other kids around me have been. And because of that, I never really felt worthy of, of openly engaging in our culture or openly saying like, hey, I'm Filipino. And I was, and because of that, I was afraid that people would call me a, a fraud if I suddenly decided to or tell me that I didn't know enough because I didn't speak or understand the language. Um, I didn't grow up eating home-cooked foods because my mom didn't cook it, like home-cooked Filipino foods, and I've never been to the Philippines. And, you know, grow, like growing up in Eva Beach, both of, like, both of us know that a lot of our classmates have grew up in multi-generational homes where their parents or their grandparents have immigrated from the Philippines, and they all lived in the same home, and um, our classmates have had that direct. I lived with my mom and my brothers since my parents were separated and eventually divorced. And because I didn't have that day-to-day -day ex exposure or experience of the Filipino culture, I also felt disconnected and, and left out and actually jealous of, of my friends who have had like their grandparents living with them and, you know, speaking the language to them and cooking them all. That's like like just hearing hearing you say that and then like hearing you reflect upon like the struggles about your own identity and and I, I honestly I, I really don't blame you for that because growing up in Hawaii there is it's a it's known to being a melting pot and it's known for um to see different cultures around mm -hmm. and like it's it's really hard to like to like just be um, just be part of a culture where all you hear about it is ne the negative side like um, I don't know if you grew up hearing like like the stereotypes of being a Filipino like you know like the dog eaters and then like mm -hmm. the just the really sad facts but the, right. the really good truth yeah. but the really um the opposite side of it is um, there is a strong Filipino community in Hawaii. It's just not as positively seen mm -hmm. for us growing up before compared to now where it's getting better, but before like yeah. it, was just, it was just very negatively stereotyped. And I, I can see where you're coming from. And, and sometimes like when I see other kids when they go out of college and then they get involved into like Filipino orgs and stuff, I'm like, 
you guys are involved there now, but how come you guys weren't involved before? Like, there was just that negative, like, stigma of the Filipinos experience, Filipino community here in Hawaii before. (laughs) (laughs) And I appreciate that you brought that up because I know in the beginning, I mentioned that within my parents, there is an element of shame in being (laughs) Filipino. And um, for, for my mom, I think it was after the divorce that that's when she just didn't even want to associate herself with being Filipino because my dad was Filipino. And it sounds really weird, but that was just the case. And my my brothers, I, I grew up with three brothers, but my two oldest brothers would always bring up Filipino stereotypes and they would say like, oh, why am I, why, why do I have to be Filipino? Like Filipinos are loud, they eat weird food. Like they would say really negative things. And of course these things were said when they were in high school, but those are things that have like, been ingrained in my head, even though I didn't want want those to be thoughts in my head. And from my dad's side, I remember, I remember asking him because so um, just just a little background, my, I mentioned that my dad, his, his parents moved to Hawaii from the Philippines. But both of them died really, really early. I, I don't think I was even finished with elementary school by the time both of them have gone. And I've had it a bit of a crisis even then because I was like, now who's gonna teach me the Filipino language and who's gonna continue to cook me all these delicious foods that my grandparents have cooked for me in the past? And who's who's supposed to answer all of my questions about like the Philippines and the Filipino culture when, you know, when I when they come up that for now on. And so one day I asked my dad, I was probably in middle school and I, I just asked him, dad, why didn't mama and papa teach us the Filipino language? And he said, like, I, I still, these, his words are still sharp in my head. He said, I told them not to because when I was little, I was fluent in the language and I developed a thick accent. And all the big, he said, all the big kids would bully me for it. And it didn't help that I was small. And he didn't want that for us. He didn't want us to be bullied in school for having an accent and being able to, you know, just being bilingual. So he just cut all ties with us being able to understand, you know, the language and that way. I think I like that you brought up the accent part and I like the question that you asked your dad because I felt like that is just a pinnacle moment to why a lot of the many traditional parents really are against teaching their younger ones how to speak our language is because they don't want their child to face what they face when they immigrated here in mm-hmm. in Hawaii or even in America so we ju- they just no don't learn the language I want you to just speak English, that's going to make you successful, you know, like the typical American dream. But I think now the really like the question that we need to ask is, yeah. who cares if we have an accent? Because having an accent just means that you're intelligent, you're smart, and you came from mm-hmm. another country and you have different perspective around. And it shouldn't matter about like the accent that you choose, that you have, but you develop an accent because that's the environment that um, you are in and it's just a way for you to just 
and develop certain knowledge. Mm -hmm. that, that is definitely something to think about. And that made me think, now that we're older, mm -hmm. do we only appreciate different people's accents and languages now because we're not as immature as when we were going through adolescence? And mm -hmm. because back in, you know, going through elementary, middle school and high school, kids just like to bully each other because they were different. But now that we're older and we see that traveling is a thing, becoming mm -hmm. exposed to different cultures, um, just being aware that that's a possibility instead of being sheltered on, a, on an island where everyone tries to be the same. Like, do we only appreciate that at a when we come to a certain age or is it something that even the younger kids are beginning to appreciate now? Because when we were growing up, a lot of kids were bullied because they were immigrants or because their parents were immigrants and they spoke differently. I think you make a good point. Like when we were growing up, I really, I could remember like vividly um, the stigmas in high school. Like, do you remember Super Hall? They called it Little Manila. And like they would yes. always bully those kids that just came from the Philippines. And I just, I remember that to this day. And then like, mm -hmm. I see them now and they're actually very successful or some of them and mm -hmm. a lot of, and I feel like how um, things are changing, like culture is becoming very important for us to really like look upon. And I think this were the things, especially now, like there's a really great role models out there to say that um, it's so important to really recognize like the history where you came from, because yeah. that totally will really change how you view things. And, I feel like if we had like those role models that we see now when we were growing up, I feel like that would like a, be a total. Absolutely. My next follow-up question for you and is, and I know you answered it kind of briefly, but how would you see yourself now, especially graduating high school to going to college in when I first moved away from Hawaii, I only understood myself as being Rebecca from Eva Beach. I never really identified myself as, as down to an ethnicity because, like mm -hmm. I said before, um, that just wasn't a thing to be a, a proud Filipino unless Pacquiao was on the TV. <laughs> but <laughs> no light to that. But, <laughs> But coming to Portland, I think that's kind of where I started to appreciate being a Filipino woman more because all of a sudden, everyone around me did not. Eva Beach, I think, primarily has a Filipino population. So going to school and going to the grocery store, I felt comfortable because every year, just as tall as I was, and it just... It just felt like home. That was my community. So when I came up to Portland, where Oregon is a primarily white state, it was quite the shock. And that's where I began to realize, like, this is why people of people who are minorities tend to be a lot prouder of who they are and where they come from when they put themselves in a place where not everyone looks like them. But even then, I didn't, I didn't bother to join, like, Hawaii club or the Filipino club and 
I think it, it one it had a lot to do with the fact that I just didn't have time during college. I I grinded. All all I did was school and work. I didn't really provide myself with the time for extracurriculars. But it was also because I didn't feel like I didn't belong there. I feel like I I didn't feel like I felt in Hawaii club because I wasn't Hawaiian, and yeah, I'm from Hawaii, but that didn't make me a native Hawaiian.、Um, and everyone in the Hawaii club were, you know, from they were either Japanese or Hawaiian. I didn't see a lot of Filipinos at the University of Portland.、Um, The University of Portland demographic is primarily white, so I, I felt like I'm pretty sure our Filipino community was very small, and even for the Filipino club, and we had, I think it was a decent size of maybe 40 people from all across the nation, from Guam and Hawaii. But even then, I felt like I didn't belong there because, again, I, I felt like a fraud. I didn't feel like I had the right to. Proudly expressed that I was a Filipino in Portland, Oregon. I, I know that you keep mentioning the word fraud, and like I kind of wanna kind of break that break that word a little bit. Like, what makes you feel、mm-hmm. like a fraud? Um, Chachi, that's a very good question, and <laughs> I I can't promise that I can come up with a. A good answer, quickly. But again, it it just it just goes back to the fact that I wasn't. I I have this really bad habit of playing the comparison game with people. So, growing up, I didn't feel as Filipino as other people.、Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of my classmates have. Actually, had parents who were immigrants, or they immigrated immigrated to Hawaii themselves. And like I mentioned earlier, my grandparents, who were actually um you know recent immigrants,、um, they died very early. So that was kind of where、um, the ties were cut in terms of me being able to identify with the Filipino culture, and just actively. Engaging in, in, in the Filipino culture wasn't really a thing for my family. Like we definitely had a lot of family gatherings. Like that's that's a huge thing, and we love to eat together. But it was more,、um, more local dishes like shoyu chicken or fried noodles. It wasn't things like pork adobo or pinak bet.、Um, I think it, it's a lot more. It's a lot deeper than what I'm trying to say here, but. I guess if I can sum sum it up in one quick sentence, is the reason why I feel like a fraud is because is simply because I it I didn't have parents or grandparents that immigrated from Hawaii that are still here today. As ridiculous as it sounds, I think that's what it is. And I think honestly, I feel like there is no right or wrong answer to that. And I feel like someone. Maybe feeling the same way because I feel like the、mm-hmm. the idea of like is Filipino even considered an identity because we are just a mixture of different cult culture that was oh no yeah we were just mixture that was 
had so many influence around us that we kind of have this question to ask ourselves, what even makes us authentic? Because we we have influence from mm-hmm. Spain, from um, the from Chinese, from Indonesian, Malay, all those like different culture around us that whenever we see that word Filipino, what even what makes us authentic? Like what makes us unique? And it's the the fact that we are always in the category between Asian or mm-hmm. Pacific Islander or Mexicans. And it's just like can we just have our own like category? Because I feel like we are we are like the second largest um, moving people around the world that there is practically Filipinos everywhere that I don't think we are just mm-hmm. categorized to just three things. Yeah. And going back to what you said about like, you know, we're a cross of like being Pacific Asian and uh, and Spanish. What I, I did wanted to share a few experiences that I've had being a Filipino in Portland. And it, so I used to work in retail. I worked as a phone sales. I, I sold phones basically for Sprint. And there were so many instances where uh, a Mexican person would walk in and start speaking Spanish at me. <laughs> and I would kind of just like sit there wide-eyed thinking like, do I look Mexican? Because I'm not. <laughs> And there were there were also other moments where like specifically Caucasian men would would come into the store and say, Oh, I can I bet I can guess what you are. And then they would say, I bet you're Filipino or I bet you're Taiwanese. And whether oh wow, like that's so cool that you can guess what I am. <laughs> And in the beginning, I thought I did think it was cool because I was just ignorant and and flattered, I guess. But looking back, it's just it's just kind of dumb. Who gets someone to write to just come up to you and be like, oh, I think this is what you are. It's just very being a Filipino is very it's a it's kind of an experience that makes you question who you are, because everyone kind of treats you like a game or they treat you as if you're someone that you're not. Mm. Wow. I think the the very last thing that you said, like they were trying to guess your identity. It's just like, you're not a game, you're a person. And like, what would it feel like if you were guessing the race? Like that that kind of would make them feel like, oh. And it reminds me of the TikTok video I saw. She was trying to like say, oh, if I were a cook, if I were a white person, like um, flip the rolls, like you would feel like hurt. Like if someone did that to you. So, yeah. Huh. And yeah, and as a quick rant, and <laughs> not to be insensitive, but no one goes up to a white person and says, oh, I bet you're French or, oh, I bet you're British. Like, mm-hmm. They're just a person who happens to have white skin. But when it comes to 
being Filipino, it's like, oh, are you mixed? Are you what? It's, it's like, yeah, it's very strange. I agree. And I feel like it's just like the ignorance that comes with it too, because it's like America is, it's filled with different people that comes to get, that kind of makes up the country itself. Mm-hmm. But a lot of, a lot of people, it does exist. Like people will still try to ask those questions, and it's it's something that I think this year is like a very a, a wake up call to many of them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy to think that the political climate would have had to become this intense in order for people to realize that microaggressions are a thing. Yes. <laughs> and it, it's funny because I felt like microaggression exists before, but it's not until this year where we're all online or we're so like, because we're not, we're not, we don't have a place to go anywhere. We're just on our phones where mm-hmm. it's really real and like, oh, it does exist, but it exists before. We weren't just paying attention because all we focus on is trying to grind, trying to finish what we have to do that. Now that we're all stuck in one place, you have time to think about like what you did before. So I feel like even though 2020 is the new decade, it's the 2020 where people just sit down and think about all the things that you guys were kind of ignoring before. Because this issue does exist. Yes, that is totally true. And a lot more people have more time to make those TikToks about teaching other people what it is to be, you know, mm-hmm. a racist or someone who microaggresses people. Definitely. And I guess to kind of move on with the question is for you, then, uh, what does it mean for you to reclaim our Filipino identity? Um, for me, it means to embrace who we are as Filipinos, regardless of how much we know or how much we grew up. And on a more personal level, it means to understand that my Filipino identity is not reducible to the language and knowing how to cook the food. That I talked about that a lot um, so far, but I think it's because growing up, that's all I knew about the Filipino culture. And as as much as I wish I did grow up with those things, the fact of the matter is that I, I did not. But at the same time, I, I have a whole life ahead of me to learn. And I shouldn't learn because I want to go home and impress people with my renewed identity of being a Filipino woman or, you know, trying to impress other Filipinos who are more cultured than me. But I... I should do it because I'm curious and I, I want to feel connected to my Filipino identity. And I think this should be a really important goal for me because so as silly as it sounds, there were many times where I contemplated putting the Philippines flag in my social media bio, but I stopped myself because, you know, again, I felt like a fraud. Like, I don't want people messaging me like, you're, you're such a fake Filipino, as dumb as it sounds. That's really what I what I would think. But, and like I mentioned earlier, I didn't mm-hmm. join my, my Filipino cultural club in college. 
because I assumed that I, I wasn't able to, I would not be able to relate to everyone else because I didn't think I was Filipino enough. And to reclaim our Filipino culture is, or reclaim my Filipino culture is a work in progress. But especially because, you know, the both of us, we're Filipinos living or have moved to Hawaii where cultural, where cultures have become so immersed. It's, I think it's really important for us to be able to bring ourselves back to our roots and, you know, get it ingrained in our heads that we are Filipinos. And again, I think emphasizing there is no right or wrong to that question. And like, I feel like that question can be interpreted interpreted in many different ways because even mm-hmm. the question itself how what does it mean to reclaim our filipino identity um is a challenge because i know i've spoken to a lot and they they ask me the same question like what do you mean by reclaim our filipino identity when mm-hmm. we don't technically there's still so much where right, it's a very complicated um answer but at the same mm-hmm. time Reclaiming our Filipino identity is some taking from the answer that you gave. It is going back to our roots. It's asking those questions, like what you mentioned, because asking those questions will really help us understand, like who you are as a person. Because um, I believe, I really believe that it's through genealogy that will really mm-hmm. kind of like open up like yourself and like because there is so much about our family lineage that really kind of better understands why we are the way we are. If you don't mind me asking Chachi, were you born in Hawaii or did you move there from the Philippines? I want you to guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, why are you making this guess? I I'm gonna say that you were you were born and raised in Hawaii. No. No. I came here okay. when I was young. Um I was eight years old to be exact. Wow. Yeah, I came here when I was young and the same thing as you, I didn't really like to identify myself as a Filipino before growing up because of all the negative stereotypes. It was only until I took a class about Philippine history where um, it made me question about myself and it made me question uh, really about our history and that even got me to... Um, that kind of led up to the build of this reclaiming Filipinx identity because I really believe that there's so much more in people's story that um, that needs to be heard because like what you mentioned, like Filipinos in Oregon, Filipinos in California, in, Cal- in Alaska, New York, they're different. And I feel like Hawaii has a rich in history with it. And I feel like trying to bridge the Filipinos in Hawaii with every different Filipinos around the world, it's it just brings, um, it's like a diamond waiting to be shown because Filipinos in Hawaii history yeah. is so valuable and so important to learn. We're like the 
the bridge to everything that's going on. I wonder if it's possible that the reason why Filipinos are in Hawaii are different from the rest of the nation is because of how we ended up in Hawaii. Like obviously, there are still like there are still so many Filipinos that are immigrating to Hawaii. Like you immigrated there when you were eight, but it, like I mentioned, that my mom's side um, has a history with the sugar plantations during mm-hmm. those plantation days and people were moving to Hawaii for different reasons during that time compared to Filipinos moving to like California and whatnot um we were Filipinos were moving to Hawaii because there was opportunity to work as cheap labor and my my ancestors happened to have gotten you know wrapped up in that and because they were laborers and because they worked on the plantation um we never really broke out of that type of poverty. And the, you know, especially in Hawaii being so expensive, a lot of Filipinos tend not to break out of, of financial poverty. But in, in other parts of the nation, it's a lot more affordable. And there are, def- there are way more opportunities in terms of like jobs and careers and affordable housing. And I wonder if it's those types of experiences that make us different. Honestly, that is a really great observation. And I um, think before this, like three hours before this, I attend, well, I attended last minute a discussion forum from Anaktai in Hawaii. And one of them kind of brought up about um, this idea that Filipinos in Hawaii are, or Filipinos in general, are, are still being exploited for their labor. And because, like what you mentioned, oh, yeah. like Philip, um, it, and we're still being exploited today, especially with um, the tie into how tourism can be a reflection of the plantation days. Definitely, my dad's mom, so my grandma, was actually in the hotel industry. Um, I don't know what my grandpa did. All I knew that he was always home when he was alive. And <laughs> my, um, from my mom's side, like they also only worked labor jobs. I think apart from my mom's sister, who's now a teacher, I think I'm the only, I'm the first person in my family to actually have like a, a fairly paid, higher than average paid desk job. And it's 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 a little crazy to think about that that a lot of my family history has um, been like in terms of work it's been focused around exploitation and low wages and um, hard labor and yeah and I think now I feel like the more that we kind of like think about this is. I feel like you have a lot of research to do with your family because I feel like your family itself has so much, so much history to say. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think going back to your question, um, so the second wave um, were the Manongs. So the Manongs generation were Filipinos who immigrated from Ilocos and Visayas during the 1920s and 30s to U.S. 
that occupied Hawaii, California, and Alaska. So, and then you mentioned to me that you're, fra- you're Visaya, Ilocano, and Tagalog. So maybe your ancestors did come from the second wave. Wow, that's actually kind of mind-blowing. Um, I don't know about the, ni- you said 1920s or 1930s? Around there, the 20, 1920s and 30s. Wow, I would you know I would not be surprised. I know my my mom's mom was born in the nineteen fifties. She also has passed, and from my dad's side, I know they have they were born in like the thirties and forties. So I they were probably not a part of that wave, from, but it, it is very likely that from my mom's side that they have been. And like that's that's the thing like you really find when you're really doing um when really going back to your roots it's because a lot of things opened up and i like to share this quote and i feel like it's a it'll it'll, i feel like it'll it'll be very mind-blowing but filipinos are like an onion oh is that the quote yeah (laughs) I can ex- <laughs> I can explain it. <laughs> Filipinos are like an onion. No, but I love it. I love with it. With hundreds of layers, because the more you peel, the more things that you find, you end up crying because it's literally studying Filipino history. You get a lot of existential crisis because you find things that that will make you kind of like why kind of angry. Believe me, Chachi, I have been I have been experiencing that ever since you asked me to be in this podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> that it, it is true, though. Um, these past because you know we're in quarantine, we have a lot of time to think. So a recent thought that I have had about my family heritage is um, in my more recent generations. Fortunately, not within my not within my mom and dad's generations, but the previous generations have been, they were very heavy um, drug and alcohol abusers. And like I mentioned before, they come from families who have worked on the sugar cane plantations or, and from my dad's side, they, you know, they immigrated to Hawaii. So I would be curious to know, like, what about being Filipino and what about living in Hawaii has brought them to engage in those activities because I don't know, maybe it's the fact that their parents have been exploited in the labor markets and, or maybe it's just the fact that Filipinos have so have struggled financially over so many generations that that's kind of just the route that people of that time has taken. But the Filipino, yeah, Filipino heritage is very complex, definitely. It, it is. And I think the more that we just, the more that we unravel about our own history, the more, and when you get to the last layer, you're going to be like, I feel, or let me rephrase that. I feel like when we get to the last layer is when we kind of, see this like new lining about our own identity like 
even our own name is not even our own name. We just kind of like, you know, just came to us because our colonizers kind of named us to be this way. And I feel like when we get to the very last layer of the onion, it's going to be an awakening feeling, but it's still a lot of unlearning and unraveling and a lot of, and a lot of getting the trauma out of things. Oh, yeah, for sure. That made me think about two stories that I wanted to share. Um, one of them is, again, like more of a rant because it's so annoying. And Chachi, I think this is the exact story that I shared on Twitter that made you want to reach out to me about what it's like to be a Filipino in Hawaii. So I was in a meeting at work and then one of the people on the meeting was, um, this isn't the exact story that I shared on Twitter, but this is like something that I left out. Um, he was sharing with me that he knew a, fr- a friend whose last name was Labrador. And he was saying something like, yeah, Labrador in Spanish translates into um, field worker. And I thought that was really cool because people with the last name Labrador, people in the past were given the last name Labrador because they were field workers. And that kind of left me shocked because I'm sure that both of us know someone with that last name. And in my head, I'm thinking, why would someone be so excited about sharing that? Like with no trace of empathy, he was just so excited to know that people with the last name Labrador happen to be field workers. Like their ancestors were field workers in the past. But what I was saying is that there is just this really awkward long pause. (laughs) The next thing he says is, oh, where are you from? Like that was the best thing he could come up with. And it was, it was just very strange because it kind of just reminded me of the fact that our people have been exploited and have been given names like that because we were field workers and that's kind of what we were reduced to. And for someone to come to me proudly and say, hey, I know this really fun fact about your people was very... It was rude. It was just plain rude. And that that's just another example of a microaggression that I experienced day to day day to day in Portland, Oregon as a Filipino woman. Can <laughs> um, I the ask, second story that oh, I want Oh can I ask yeah, what, go ahead. Was it a white person that said that? <laughs> Yes. Oh. Absolutely. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes. And they're the they're I'm sure it's not specific to Filipinos, but I think when I'm not trying to be rude, this is just what I experienced. But I think when they see someone who is different from them, they just want to express that they know about different cultures. Mm. (laughs) And I don't, I don't know if, they're doing that because they want to be able to connect with you or connect with me or because they want to brag that they're cultured, but that that's what they do. I, I, I just wanted to ask that before you, you um, share your next story, because I feel like, I don't know if you have the <laughs> same like feeling, but it's kind of like ironic that a lot of, them 
or maybe not a lot of them, but some of them kind of kind of have that notion against Filipino. But then when it comes to like dating and marriage, like they're all like, oh, find yourself like a Filipino woman and all that stuff because they're very hardworking. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, but it doesn't, but then it gets very ironic to the point where, okay, like it's just, yeah. Yeah. The, those things yeah. just and come up. And all of this conversation is just causing so many <laughs> memories to resurface. And you can stop me if you don't have time for this, but I'll go in the order that it came into my head. But this one, this story that I wanted to share was a little yes. more lighthearted. I was, uh, I was working for a camp when I was still at school. I was working a campus job, and this job there there's a lot of time to just talk to your coworkers because we're literally just sitting there and waiting for people to come up to us and buy something but um she, this was definitely not out of ignorance my coworker was telling me that she was taking this asian american history course and she was just raving about how amazing it was and she knew that i was filipino and she said she was telling me about how when filipinos i mean i i wasn't able to fact check this but I trust her <laughs> she um she learned about in her history class that Filipinos who immigrated to California just totally transformed their entertainment and um, party industry because Filipinos who moved to California loved to party they love to host, and we both know this that Filipinos love to host huge gatherings we love to share tons of food enough to have like to bring bags of leftovers home and at those gatherings, at beautiful, beautifully decorated balls, they loved to dress up. And everyone knows that that's what the California culture is now. But what, and I didn't even know this, but what a lot of other people don't know is that that's kind of what the Filipinos did for, for parties in California. It's just the elegancy of it. And then what was your next story? <laughs> um, this one is just, it was just very in passing. This was when I was still working at Sprint. This guy who was like, oh, are you Filipino? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I think that's so awesome because you Filipinos are so caring and hardworking. And I remember when my whatever family member was in the hospital all of the nurses were so rude, but the only nice nurse was a Filipino nurse. And they were, she was just our favorite nurse, like while my whoever family member was there. And it was nice to hear because it's like, you know, it's uplifting, but also kind of random. <laughs> I think both of the stories that you shared, the lighthearted one and the, and the, the second story about uh, the experience within the the Filipino community it's just it just makes you wonder like how people think and how people are Mm. because yeah there are those who do respect the boundary who has certain boundaries who respect the spaces but at the same time there are those that just you completely have no idea why they would just say that out of randomly or even they just say it because like what you said like they just want to appear to be cultured and with everything being so digital now they just want to seem like they know so much but little did they know that 
um, it's it, Filipinos have the most. I'm not gonna do the the most game, but kind of has a lot of trauma to unpack, and no one knows that because right. Filipino history is really hidden, and not a lot of people can read up our history because I think you know, like when we grow up, like there's. Did you hear? Uh, did you read up any Filipino history in any of our history books, aside from like those? I don't think I was ever exposed in school to Filipino history other than the fact that the Spaniards took over for some time and um, again because we grew up in Hawaii we had some um, Hawaiian, Hawaiian history so um, some history there with the Filipinos immigrating to work on the sugar cane plantation fields but that's about it. And I think that is like one of the biggest history, the, sorry, not history, the biggest factor is like no one knows about the Filipinos, but the Filipinos mm-hmm. did contribute to a lot. And I feel like those who are Filipino American, um, then this quote kind of came back again, but Filipino. Filipino history is is um, is an American history because the Filipinos did contribute to a lot of like those um, rev- like those activists work. I think like moving along from that because I felt like we can go on and on and just talk about um, our um, your micro um, your experience about being Filipino American, but um, trying to like kind of move more into like the the light realm is where do you see yourself in the next 10 years and when and because this is a kind of um a filipino experience kind of like podcast kind of add in if you have any if you do plan to invest in learning more about our culture for sure. So in 10 years is a lot of time, but <laughs> I'll start off with saying that I definitely see myself moving back home to Hawaii so that I can be with my family because I just miss them so much. But that probably, it will definitely take a full eight years because being able to afford living there is just gonna take a lot of time to save up and have money for. And in a much broader sense, I would, I just want to live a modest, simple life with a, maybe with a family of my own. And I would really like to be the next person among my family and relatives to host our family parties and gatherings. I think that would be a really big deal for me. But in terms of reclaiming my Filipino identity and learning about our Filipino culture, I, in 10 years, I would, once the pandemic is over and once we're all um, healthy and safe, I would love to visit the Philippines. My, my boyfriend, Jeff, his parents also immigrated from, to Hawaii. And before this pandemic started and, you know, before we even started college, they said, Rebecca, you should like visit the Philippines 
once you graduate college, like, I think that would be a really great experience for you. And obviously that was not in the books once February, March came around because we had to quarantine and all of that. But I, I would absolutely love to go there. I know I've heard stories that visiting the Philippines can be a little bit of a huge cultural shock because um, it's just so different there in but I think it would be really important for me to to be a lot prouder of where my ancestors come from. And, you know, while we're quarantined and I would like to see myself become a little, a lot more curious about our, our language. There are so many resources out there now. I don't know why I haven't done this yet, but I should probably start learning how to speak one of the Filipino languages that I want to learn. So I think that's a good way to wrap it up. And honestly, I feel like to to bounce off that is there's never too late to mm -hmm. start investing in our Filipino, within our Filipino culture and especially learning the language because I feel like everyone has their own time. And I think surrounding yourself with just the right people and just being able to surround yourself with like great friends um significant mm -hmm. other and the family that is like the biggest i think factors within filipino cultures because being filipino it's very heavily family oriented so that's also one factor is like even though we may not feel as if we're filipino or anything the hospitalityness, the environment kind of helps shape us in a way. And I think one of the biggest things, and like you mentioned that is, it is through the food that kind of helps connect people. And food has actually has a really great history that ties in within everything. So if, you are interested in learning about the Filipino culture, the best way to start is through the food. And then through there, there's like there's different um, food that came from different regions of the Philippines. So that can go next language. So like there is so much ways yeah. to like connect within our Filipino and yeah. yeah. For sure. Speaking of food, uh, in Portland, there is a pretty decent population of Mexicans, and I would talk to them about, you know, food and all of that, and both, both of our cultures ha are, have been influenced by Spanish culture, so I learned that a lot of our foods have, like, different names in the Mexican culture, or, like, we could have the same exact food in almost exact recipe, but they'll have totally entirely different names. I I just remembered that and I just thought it was kind of fascinating and I, I thought I would share. Yes, honestly, like I feel like some of, there are some foods in Filipino that you can find in a Mexican food. Mm -hmm. Like empanada can be, Empanada is one, and then adobo is actually Mexican. 
if you could give advice to the next generation, um, even if you could give an advice to your future children, what would you tell them? There are two things that I will tell them. And the first one would be to be curious and ask a lot of questions. When earlier during our conversation, I, I shared that I had a crisis when my grandpa died because now there wasn't anyone that I could ask questions directly to about what the Filipino culture is like and what it was like to immigrate and, you know, recipes and all of that. So, and I can't blame myself because I was very, very young when he passed away, but, you know, ask questions when it comes to what you're curious about, about your heritage and be curious academically and those curiosity is such an important thing to have because that's what's going to take you very very far people love it when you ask a lot of questions when you're always willing to learn about anything the second point that i want to make is to work hard but also know when to rest and that was a very very difficult lesson for me to learn. That's such a weird thing to say because I'm 22 and I'm like, this is a really hard, this was a really hard lesson for me to learn. But I, I also briefly mentioned that I grinded during college. Um, I always worked a lot and I never really rested. And that took a, a mental, emotional, and especially physical toll on me. And it wasn't something that I really took to heart until this pandemic came around because I had no other choice but to stay home. After graduating college, I couldn't take on a second job in retail or the food industry because I would not have felt safe. And I still don't feel safe about that idea, but um, I'm taking that to my advantage and just resting as much. Well, that's, those are the two pieces of advice that I would like to pass on to the next generation and definitely my children. If they are not curious and if they don't rest, I will not be a very happy mother. <laughs> I, actually, I can imagine this in the future um, as, as you being the strict parent and then your significant other being the more nicer and kinder one. You know, I, we're very optimistic about who we are of ourselves, but that is very true. Chachi, I think I would be the hard parent but for good reason right yeah, for good reason like i think just because just knowing you guys like i feel like yeah i feel i i, I really feel it like you have a very um because you're very hard not not because he's not hard working as well but you guys are both hard working but the way that maybe you were brought up in your um mm -hmm. it kind of comes with it too yeah definitely I hope it doesn't come off as toxic, though. That I think that's like one of the hardest parts of the the idea of being like the hard parent is sometimes it can come off as toxic and it can be really traumatizing. I can, yeah, that's definitely one. But I feel like there are ways into how it won't be toxic, and it's just being able to follow up with your own feelings and understanding that it's not because they're hard on they're not hard on you because 
they hate you, but they're hard on you because they want the best for you. Yeah. And, and there's total ways, really ways to make it optimistic. Right. So with that, very right. So with that said, and to like kind of go on into like a lighter note is this time of the podcast you can do your personal shout out if you have any plugins hit hit <laughs> sure i um i only have one personal plugin yeah as you know tachi i recently launched a personal blog on instagram called morning coffee money and it's kind of my space where I can express my passions about personal finance and iced coffee. So if you want to learn more about my journey, I'm trying to be very personal on there in terms of, you know, how I budget and the amount of money I budget and my net worth. Or if you want to see my occasional snap or kept snap of my iced coffee of the day, you can follow me there. But that's about it. <laughs> and it's a really helpful Instagram, especially because you break down a lot of um, budgeting tips and like tips that we wish that we knew before, but are now oh, learning yes. now. Yeah. And with that said, and the, the last question that I have is... What is your favorite Filipino dish? And what is, if you have any favorite Filipino phrase that you know of, what it is? Or Filipino word? Um, I already disclosed in the beginning that my favorite food, or I identify as a peanut butt, but just so I don't cheat, I'll come up with another favorite Filipino dish. Um, I don't know the name of it, but you can um, I don't know if you... Yeah, I don't know if you've grown up with this, but it's like this when you cook it, it's a really, really stink fish chip. But when you eat it, it's very crispy and very tasty. I don't know what it's called. Is it dotting? But I don't know the name. All I remember is that every time my grandpa cooked it, it just stunk up the house. But it was all worth it because it just tasted so good. What what did you say it was called? Dotting. That or to you right now, or to you. I to you. Let me also look that up. It's also a dried fish, and it does think of the house. Oh my gosh, Chachi! I am so glad. There's a word, different word for it. Called. It's called daing to you. There's a there's a lot of different names for it in the in different languages of the Philippines, but it's mainly known as tuyo or dai this is it chachi bless your soul for telling me gosh i remember growing up as a kid i would like i would be so upset every time i woke up smelling that fish or or like you know like kind yeah. of like a reflex <laughs> and but when i ate it it was just so good like it's such an it's an enigma <laughs> How can something so stink taste so delicious? Well, there is durian. Durian? What is that? Durian, it's like the... 
What's oh, is that the fruit? That's the fruit. That's also known as the most stinkiest fruit, but if you eat it, it tastes really good. They put durian on the fish? Oh, no. It's oh, a, okay. It's another okay. fish. Okay, got it. Yeah. I've definitely uh, heard of durian too. Yeah. Or it, the English name is Lanka. Okay, yeah, that's the one I know. This is actually um, Jeff's mom's favorite fruit. <laughs> I think that's the English or jackfruit. Oh yeah, yeah. I know the lanka and the jackfruit. But and then your favorite Filipino word or phrase, if you know of any. I would have to say my favorite Filipino word because I don't know any phrases is okay. anako. Because that's what my grandpa and grandma used to always call me. So every time my boyfriend's mom or I actually had a Filipino theology teacher who would always call me that, it just made me feel so warm and comforted. Anako. And that's a really great way to like wrap this episode because a lot of your story, a lot of your narrative kind of goes a lot about connecting back with your roots and like just reminiscing within your the story, um, the memories of your grandparents, and it just kind of signifies mm-hmm. how much, how much they make a big impact in your life. Yeah, even though they're only a part of my life for such a small fraction, their impact was huge. And something that I've noticed, and especially interviewing with a sec, with many third generation or even 2.5 I made that up (laughs) is a lot of their connections do stem from their grandparents and some of the Mm. one of the 2.5 or the 2.5 person I interviewed he also kind of has similar experience than you he doesn't want to identify himself as a Filipino because he just doesn't want to seem like a fraud as well because wow. it's, it's just very, he feels more of an in-betweener between the two cultures. Mm. And that's just something you're gonna need to, oh. okay. that I, I've yeah, You're going to need to point me to that podcast. I've been listening like to a ton of them, but I haven't come across that one yet. It's actually, the funny part is he has two episodes the last one, he did a double take because he made it, he twisted it and kind of asked me the questions instead. But the first one was <laughs> um, the in-between. I, I literally titled it in-between. But Okay. He, he shared a lot about his experience, about just what it means to be in-between and how he didn't really identify as being Filipino because he just, he just didn't seen it and I don't blame him for that because at the same time I remember from this um discussion that I went to this afternoon is that the concept of Filipino being identity is still a question to this day because it's just there's still it's it's like an onion there's still so much to unravel Mm -hmm. and yeah we see a lot of correlation with 
Filipinos and the idea of what does it mean to have relationship with our own land? Mm -hmm. Wow. And on that note of sharing that other podcast with me, I just I just have to say this, Chachi. I am in so much awe of you for bringing these voices together and asking, not forcing, but, you know, allowing us to reflect on these questions because you you learned that growing up, I was ashamed of being Filipino or, and I, I, or I felt like a fraud because, just because I didn't grow up with the Filipino language and home-cooked Filipino foods. But I think this reflection is really important, not only for me, but other people who are experiencing this because at the end of the day, we're still Filipino and it's always worth bringing ourselves back to that. Definitely. And I think- Thank you, Chachi. No problem. And thank you for allowing me to share your story because there's, honestly, I feel like there's, you don't really know someone unless you ask them, like you have a conversation and like get to know their story. Yeah, definitely. And I think the more that I, I listen to different con different stories of people. I really see a lot of. I I really see that there's a lot of healing that needs to be done within our community. Because a yes. lot of people are hurt, and a lot of people are hurt because. They just. They just need to know certain things about who we are, and like we need to start paying attention that, of like certain. I feel, I feel like I don't. I don't know if you're gonna agree with this, but in order to help the people back home, we have to realize and ask ourselves a question first, and like really like ask ourselves like, who am I? And that question is very scary because you don't know what you will find when you ask that question. If. If you don't mind me asking, when you refer to home, are you referring to Hawaii or are you referring to the Philippines? Or oh, which one? Um, you, I think you said something like, um, when we, if we want to help the people back at home, I was wondering which home you were referring to. Oh, Philippines. <laughs> oh, okay. No, yeah, I, I agree with you because if, like, I shared a lot that I've, I've I grew up having a hard time identifying with my Filipino culture like being Filipino Americans we have such an advantage in terms of having a voice in our society and being able to speak out to issues just like how we're seeing a lot on social media today for um, United States political issues and other social issues so if we're not even able to identify with our Filipino culture, how are, how are we supposed to be able to be aware of what our own people are experiencing on our homeland? So yeah, having this conversation is a really important step and feeling that urge and actually acting upon the urges of wanting to reclaim our Filipino identity, it, that's what's gonna help us help the people back at home. And I that kind of like kind of is a good way to kind of like wrap things up is when we 
when we when we go back to our roots when we go back to just asking ourselves when we just unlearn the things that we needed to unlearn it helps us kind of like understand like there's so much healing to be done yes and i think and i know i posted this just now because um one of the person i interviewed said this and I feel like it's a great way to end it, but it's really important for us to reflect back on all those things because it allows us younger folks to continue the healed process. We can understand some of the changes and the challenges we are facing now unless we get a context of what it came from. And that concludes our narrative interview with Rebecca. I really hope that her story uh, resonated with most of y'all who are listening at the moment. And um, honestly, through the process of really capturing the narratives with many Filipinos who have lived in Hawaii, moved from Hawaii and just reconnecting with them, it, it kind of like you learn a lot from the many people that you hear those stories from and for me who I think this is my sports season almost going to my fifth um, the thing that I've learned about is when I ask multiple people the question what does it mean to reclaim your own identity many different people give me different answers and it's so powerful because you really get to hear and kind of like understand like the concept of identity our own identity is not just linear it's so much more than that and it comes from really being able to take the time your time to invest in those stories and just keeping up with this conversation and yeah so if you have any suggestions or want to like recommend something um feel free to leave me a voice message on anchor the link will be in the description below and as always our last episode for our narrative will be coming up the next couple of weeks and from there our fifth season will be something even more grander as i really went out of my comfort zone to do the next season with very out of the comfort zone guests so stay tuned on reclaiming filipino identity follow us on instagram and subscribe to us on youtube all of the things that i just said will be in the on the description box and currently our website is under maintenance so just follow us on instagram for the latest updates bye guys and peace